Episode 5 of Bellu Sports Segment. Let's go. So just a quick thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, let's see. Last week I talked about the uh, World Series with the MLB closing up its season. And I just wanted to confirm that the Atlanta Braves that win the World Series. Everybody knows that uh, by this point. But they won 4-2. Last game was 7-0. The main reason why I brought this up is because... This should break the sports curse that's been on Atlanta for like 30 years or whatever. So um, they did go to the Super Bowl back, it was Super Bowl 51, I think it was, where they played the Patriots and it was the only overtime uh, Super Bowl game where Tom Brady came back, I think it was 28-3, and uh, beat Matt Ryan and the Falcons and they've been kind of broken ever since. And that kind of started, that was a whole part of this curse, but maybe it's lifted now. And the Falcons did win, did win this weekend over the Saints, so maybe it did. But that's all for baseball. Uh, so college football, we got some stuff to talk about here. Uh, we'll start out with a couple small things first. So Virginia Tech lost again this weekend. I know that they had a three-game losing streak, and then they won the other week, but they did not have a good performance this week at all. Uh, they lost to Boston College 17-3. And it does not look like this could be a year for a bowl trip for them. Because I know that they broke that streak last year because of COVID. But this might be the first year they don't go straight up. Uh, One bigger headline that came out of the college football world this weekend was Alabama beat LSU. That's not that shocking. But the score being 20-14, to I found a little bit shocking. Because we all know that LSU has not been having a very good football season this year. And Alabama has not been at the top of their game either, but they definitely have been better than LSU, that's for sure, this this season. And they only won by six. So LSU, they had some, some good-looking stuff in this game. One thing they had that was pretty cool, they had this fake punt. It was fourth down, and then they, land, they lined up in the regular punting formation, and then they snapped it to the punter, and he ran straight forward like he was going to try to run. And then the last second at the offensive line, he pulled up and threw the ball on a jump pass to a receiver down the field, and they got the first down. So that was really cool. Uh, and then LSU, I mean, their defense, it looked pretty good. Besides, they blew a few coverages that cost them big plays that turned into Alabama points. They did have some big-time sacks and in some big-time plays, though, which was good. And it definitely was a pretty good showing for them, like I said, other than they gave up one really big touchdown. And they did recover a fumble with about three minutes left in the game. And it really looked like that LSU could do something with that, but then the offense just could not come up with um, some points there right at the end. That would have been really crucial if they could have because their defense did set them up for that. LSU just had a few unfortunate turnovers that they couldn't overcome. It's it's almost impossible to beat Alabama and not play perfect. So it's they did they both had their share of errors, but you just can't beat them if you're not perfect. And Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback, had a very good game. He was 24 for 37, 302 yards with two touchdowns. And a lot of those yards came in. It was like a 70-yard pass play on a blown coverage. So you know, I think that if LSU would have beat Alabama, then you have to keep Coach O, right? That's what you have to do. That's just kind of like an unwritten rule in any contract is if an LSU coach wins against Alabama, no matter what was going on, they get their contract renewed. It's like a Super Bowl win, but they did not, so unfortunately. 
Uh, moving on, just a couple other headlines. Uh, Purdue upset Michigan State. I know I talked about Michigan State quite a bit last week, and uh, they had that win over Michigan. And then Purdue came in and won 40-29. to And then UNC upset Wake Forest 58-55. to So that was a high-scoring game. And Wake Forest had been undefeated until this point. So pretty big upset there. But uh, the biggest thing in the college world that I really wanted to talk about is JMU stuff. And I, there's a lot to break down here. And I'm pretty passionate about this, obviously, because I went to JMU. So I know a lot about what was going on there and a lot of the garbage stuff that's going on as well. But just to get the quick stuff out of the way first, I was at JMU this weekend. It was their homecoming game where they played. Well, JMU won. This isn't shocking, but they played a team called the Campbell Camels. I don't know why anybody would name their school that, but they're like the Fighting Camels or something like that. JMU won 51-14. to Very dominant win. And now that bumps uh, the Dukes up to number two in the FCS power rankings this week. Just one spot behind Sam Houston, who was the champion uh, last year. But the biggest news for JMU this week, and kind of in their history besides their national championship wins, would be that they're moving up from the CAA in the FCS to the Sunbelt Conference in the FBS. Now, I've been talking about this on some of the shows. You know, it was in the talking stage. They've talked about it for a couple of years, but nothing was ever done. It's all final. It's official. The paperwork is done. Everything's official. So everybody was really excited that this was happening. And it's something that's, like I said, it's been talked about for a long time. They announced it Saturday morning that JMU is officially moving up. And this will be taking effect next season. They're the biggest team in the CAA. Now, the CAA stands for the Colonial Athletic Association. And they're definitely the most dominant team. And Jamie will be moving up, playing people in the uh, Sun Belt Conference that includes Old Dominion, Marshall, Appalachian State, and Coastal Carolina. I think that that's a pretty good fit for JMU. A lot of people think that they'll get beat up pretty bad when they first move up. But I think that they can kind of contend with these guys without too much of a problem moving up. And for sure, there's definitely going to be an adjustment process. They probably won't be really doing great for the first season or two. But I think if you just give them a little bit of time, I think it won't be any problem moving up to this level because they wouldn't have done it if they weren't didn't think that they were prepared to move up. Now, that's why I haven't done it before. I think they could have done it a couple of years ago. But either way, and one thing that's interesting with this is everybody thinks about football, but this this applies to all sports at James Madison University. And women's swimming, field hockey, and lacrosse, they don't have uh, teams in the Sun Belt. So they have to find another conference to fit those few single sport members. But apparently that's not much of a problem, but they just won't be in the, quote, Sun Belt. They'll be somewhere else. But the school itself will be in that conference. But I just thought that was a little side note to mention. But... The big thing. So that's the positive. So there's the good news. Moving up. A lot of fun. And then here comes the CAA being this just bad news, terrible group of people that I got to talk about. So the CAA, they told JMU, they released it. When all of this paperwork and everything was finalized, JMU saying that they were going to move up, they came out and made a statement saying that they informed the athletes and the school that the CAA will not allow its teams to compete in the league for championships if it did move up to the Sun Belt. So now that that's official, JMU can't do that. JMU appealed 
to the league presidents, and that was all denied. This is such a joke. It's unbelievable. The CAA, it's honestly, it's not a good conference. I've talked about this. The schools, I mean, I mean, there's good athletes, and like, don't get me wrong, there's some good games and all that stuff. And I'm looking at this more from a football standpoint because that's kind of like the poster, the headline for all conferences and JMU for sure. But JMU, yes, they've won a lot of football conferences, but if you look at the other sports, the the JMU is very dominant in a lot of other sports out there, and I'll get to that in a minute. So, like I said, they're not allowing them to compete in CAA things for this season. So that means all of these teams have been putting in all of this hard work all season long. These student athletes have been playing here for three, four, five years. And coming off, some of them even came back because you get that extra year of eligibility because of COVID. So there was um, there's a large group of student athletes, not only at JMU, but that's what we're focusing on here, that only came back for that extra year of eligibility for their sport to compete. And now the CAA steps in and says, oh, well, because JMU has made this decision to move up, you guys can't play. You can play in your regular season and finish that out. But that's it. That's like sitting here, like like in the NFL. That's like sitting here and saying that, uh, you know, like the Buccaneers, they're the Super Bowl champions. Them saying, oh, well, uh, so you don't want to play in the NFL anymore. So you could still play for the rest of this season. But, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what your position is at the end of the regular season. You're not going to the playoffs and you can't compete for a Super Bowl title to defend your championship. It's the same thing. JMU won a lot of sports championships last year for in the CAA in multiple different sports. Now these teams can't go out here and defend their championship. Other teams that you know had good runs last year, they can't come out here and compete this year. And all of these students, they just want to compete. And they had absolutely nothing to do with this decision or anything else. And then it's all it is is this like bureaucratic garbage that's handed down between these big or multi-million dollar, billion dollar organizations. And it, it's this student athletes just being used as pawns. The CAA tried to hold these students hostage, basically, so that the JMU could not leave their conference to move up because JMU makes them the most money by far. They're the most dominant in that conference by far. And they don't want them to move up and lose all that revenue and all that notoriety and everything that JMU gives them. So they're literally, they, they don't care about these student athletes. All they care about is money and they want to hold them hostage. So JMU feels bad and says, well, I guess we can never move up because we don't want to take this away from not only this year, but if we try it in a year or two from now, they're going to pull the same thing. And this has made the CAA look so bad in the eyes of the entire country. And it's not, you know, because JMU, like I've said in the past, is not the most well-known school in the whole country. I mean, that's no secret. But the and neither is the CAA because they're they're not up here. They're not in the SEC or the ACC or Big Ten or anything like that. They're they're you know they've been in the CAA and the FCS, but they're still Division One. But this has given them such bad press on that conference that, it, and they've completely destroyed the entire relationship with JMU. And for example, Sports Illustrated said, "quote In a so-called era of athlete empowerment and attention to their well-being, the JMU versus CAA, this whole thing, shoves those people into the back of a powerless box, pawns of a power struggle, collateral damage in a clash of egos. That's from Sports Illustrated. 
And this this all comes from, so there's a CAA bylaw that allows it to block schools from competing for conference championships if they've declared their intention to leave the league. Jonathan Alger, which is the president of JMU, and then Jeff Bourne, who is, I think it's the president of athletics or something like that, they issued a joint statement saying, quote, in an era when the industry of college athletics stresses student-athletes' welfare, this decision is completely contrary to those ideals. So just a little backstory, the CAA started in 1985 and the of that original the original they said charter teams that joined it back in 85 there's only two left and it was jmu and william and mary now jmu's gone so they were really trying to hold on to that and then the president of the caa joey d'antoni has not been a popular guy on twitter or instagram or anything he's just been roasted this past week and he said that it's not his job to determine whether it makes sense or doesn't make sense or if it's fair. It's just his job to enforce the bylaws as they were written. JMU said in a statement, they said they appealed to all the other teams in the CAA. So that's like Delaware and Elon and these other schools. And they appealed to their presidents of the, in their programs and they all voted JMU down as well. They said, yeah, we don't want you to compete. And that, I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer for them because JMU beats them every year in every sport. So, they, of course, if they have a shot to take us out, it doesn't matter, then they're going to take that. So they said, yeah, we're not going to help you out. JMU told the CAA, they said that eight other Division I conferences have full members that have publicly announced an exit and yet all eight have been allowed for the student-athletes at those institutions to continue competing for championships. To our knowledge, the CAA is alone in this outdated bylaw. Mark Byington, who is JMU's men's basketball coach, he was quoted saying, it's hard being a college student right now with COVID and isolation and all the challenges they have to endure. And now for them to bring on more anxiety, more stress, more problems, it seems tone deaf. And I think that that's well said because, like I mentioned, with COVID, you know, last season, teams were competing one day. And then an hour later, they were told, yeah, your season's over. Pack up and go home. It's over. It's done. Try again next year. And that was the way it was, you know, across the country. But everybody thought that this year it would be normal. And here, here we go again with this stuff. And JMU is not permitted to host any of their league tournaments that they had been scheduled to do. That would include men's soccer, women's basketball, women's lacrosse, and softball. And uh, women's swimming was trying to do a five-peat as the league champ, and that's done. It was going to be a historic thing, and now they don't have the opportunity to do that. Athletes who compete in sports that sponsor individual championships, including swimming and diving and track and field, they can still try to win those titles, but it's JMU's teams that cannot compete for those championships. It does not go towards any kind of team. JMU will be allowed to compete in the women's soccer and field hockey tournaments because they literally have they got everything already set up and they're supposed to start this weekend. So they, it was just too much of a headache for them, I guess, to back out and have them canceled. Oh, and listen to this. This is a, even a bigger joke. So the CAA extended an option for athletes for JMU's individual sports to still compete in championships, but you cannot score points for your school or be recognized as champions. That includes golf, swimming, and outdoor track. 
And you, so you get no recognition. You win no championship. It can't go towards your school or anything else. You get no points. But you can just show up and have fun. And they said that has not been well received, which obviously why. This has spiraled these athletes into feeling the same feeling that COVID gained them, this unknown, like, what the hell is going on kind of feeling. And they're saying that all this mental health stuff for athletes has been a big thing, like I said. And now because of this bylaw that, that they're just completely being it's stolen away from them. And it's terrible. And they won this past weekend at football, uh, the game that I was at. And in Bridgeforth Stadium, the student athletes, they all linked arms in the stadium after the game and chanted, let us play, let us play. And the football team stood behind them in support. And um, Coach Kurt Signetti, the, the football coach for JMU, he said that we have a great deal of empathy for them and what they're going through. Sometimes young people make better decisions than older people. Apparently for JMU, as a separate entity, JMU remains eligible for CAA conference title. So they can win the conference. JMU will still be eligible to compete for CAA regular season championship of 2021 and earn the conference's automatic bid to the NCAA FCS playoffs. I know that's pretty confusing, but it's just something that was really, has been bugging me this past week. And anybody that went to JMU or is going to JMU is, it's just sick of this. It was all over Barstool and pardon my take. And they all were tweeting about it all week. It's been on everything. Just to uh, back up the fact, it was seven CAA championships that JMU holds from last year that's a jmu and caa record it was swimming and diving women's golf men's soccer uh women's tennis lacrosse softball and football which was they were co-champions they had nine caa coaches of the year and seven caa rookies of the year so it's kind of ridiculous and ben Danucci tweeted he's like you, you can't be serious you're not punishing the athletes right at caa and then also just the whole irony of the whole thing, the CAA's background cover picture on Twitter was literally JMU stu student athletes. I think it was the, uh, it was lacrosse. It was women's lacrosse championship. That was their background on Twitter. That's my rant. Jamie's moved up to the Sun Belt. They're leaving the CAA behind that garbage division. They're gone. Um, so unfortunately it couldn't be like a nice breakup. But it's definitely a positive thing, and hashtag let them play. So tweet that on Twitter. Moving on to the NFL. Monday Night Football, the Steelers took down the Bears 29-27. And this is a pretty big game for Mike Tomlin. He reaches 150 regular season wins. He passes Bill Cowher for the second most by a Steelers coach. I assume that's second to Chuck Knoll. Again, another good game for Ben Roethlisberger this week. He, he's had no interceptions in the past four games. He's been throwing the ball well, making good decisions. He's been releasing the ball pretty quick. And Najee Harris has been picking it up every single week on the ground. They've had a good rushing attack. The offensive line has been doing good in protecting Ben as well as helping with the running game. They've been doing pretty well. This is a close game, closer than I thought it would be, closer than it really should have been. They still got the win, and um, also, side note, taunting penalties are ridiculous. It was actually in the Steelers' favor because one of the Bears players taunted. It gave him a first down. That was a garbage call, and I'm a Steelers fan. It was a garbage call. That should not have been taunting at all, and that's a, that's a league-wide thing. You, they got to throw this away after this season. It's a total joke. It's it. The league is taunting the athletes at this point for these taunting penalties. It's ridiculous. 
And then one other side note, Ben likes to throw to James Washington on third downs. Just look for that if you're watching a game. I've noticed that for two years now. He just likes to go there. It doesn't always work, but he likes to go there. And Chris Boswell, he had a great game. He's coming off of a concussion. Like I mentioned last week, he just cleared the protocol. He missed one extra point, and I'm like, oh, you know, come on. But he hit two 50-yard field goals. It was actually 53, I think, was one of them. And he also hit the game-winning field goal, which was 40, I believe. And he also uh, recovered a fumble on the kickoff. How many, That doesn't happen very often when a kicker recovers a fumble. So it says that Chris Boswell is the only player to do all of these things in NFL history in one game. The two 50-yarders, game-winning field goal, and recover an opponent's fumble. So let's go Chris Boswell, real MVP. Another big headline this week in the NFL was the Chiefs and the Packers game. Now, the Chiefs beat the Packers 13-7. to Not a great game there. That's not the reason why it was the headlines. The real headlines was because of Aaron Rodgers and him having COVID. He tested positive. It was last Wednesday, I believe. And it's been what's been on ESPN pretty much the entire time. He said in August that he had been, quote, immunized. And since training camp in late July, Aaron has not been publicly observed to be following any of the obvious protocols that other unvaccinated NFL players have agreed upon back in the summer when the, between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. Unvaccinated players who tested positive must isolate for at least 10 days, even if they're asymptomatic. If you're vaccinated, then you can return. If you have a positive test, you can return with two negative tests. So that's how some of these people are able to come back sooner than Aaron Rodgers. What really makes this kind of confusing is Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show this past week, and he went on this like 45-minute long rambling like explanation on his why he did his own research why he didn't get the covid vaccine and all of this stuff it was just kind of it was this huge long thing and then that was not taken well at all by the nfl social media everything people did not like that and uh aaron Rodgers returned on the show just uh, the other day and said that he acknowledges all of this controversy and then he sees himself and he understands that he is a role model and then he takes full responsibility and that he says this is a quote i'm an athlete not an activist i'm going to get back to doing what i do best and that's playing ball he said that he's he plans on staying out of the politics between the league and the covid policies and what they do and how they handle it and he said that it was a much shorter uh interview He said, I shared my opinion. It wasn't one that people liked and involved a lot of studying on my part and the best interest for my body. But further comments I will be keeping between myself and my doctors. I don't have any further comments about any of those things after this interview. So he's trying to put it behind him. And I don't blame him because I think a lot of people in Green Bay are getting kind of sick of Aaron Rodgers and his shenanigans because... (laughs) You know, there was the whole offseason, the entire offseason. He didn't want to play in Green Bay. He's doing all this stuff. He's trying to leave. And that's still been talked about in his commitment to the team. He finally put that away. And then now there's this COVID thing. So they're definitely tired of it. They just want all that to go away. Moving forward to the Titans won over the Rams 28-16. That was a pretty big shocker, especially without Derrick Henry, like we talked about last week. 
And the Rams are one of the best teams in the NFC. If not, I mean, they're top two, I would think. Top three, for sure. And the Titans come out here. Now, they're, they could be top two, top three in the AFC now. The AFC is all over the place. The NFC is a little more stable. That's they're, they're definitely a team that has been very underrated this year. And for sure to watch out for the Titans going into the playoffs because I think they definitely... I didn't think so, but I, if, the, if they keep playing the way they looked this past week, then they're, they're a serious team. Another upset, Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars shocked the Buffalo Bills, beating them 9-6. to This is a weird game. I thought that, Everyone thought the score was going to be high. And then Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Bills, was sacked by Josh Allen, a defensive player on Jacksonville. He was also picked... Josh Allen sacked Josh Allen. Josh Allen intercepted Josh Allen. And Josh Allen beat Josh Allen. And also Josh Allen lost to Josh Allen. So it's a really weird game, a very low-scoring game. And it made no sense at all. And it really hurt the Bills' kind of credibility with this because losing to Jacksonville. But that was a a very strange game. So we got to see how Buffalo responds. The Falcons beat the Saints. Now, I, it's it's technically an upset, but with the Saints quarterback situation the way it is, um, it's not a terrible thing to see this happen because Atlanta, you know, they can't close games. But, like I said, the curse has been lifted, so maybe they'll, they can actually finish games now. Case in point right here, they beat the Saints 27-25. And But I think I don't know why the Saints don't have Taysom Hill starting at quarterback. I think that's their best option. They're bringing in these other quarterbacks and stuff. Apparently there was talk of maybe even signing Phillip Rivers. I don't think that's the answer. Bring Taysom Hill in. He's been on the team the whole time. That's why he's there. He's a good guy. Just let him play. I mean, I know he was injured, but still. The Browns. The Browns are very unpredictable. They beat the Bengals this week. The Bengals are unpredictable. That whole AFC division is unpredictable unpredictable and I think this is an addition by subtraction kind of deal with Odell Beckham he was released he's on the waiver so waiting to get picked up by some team that wants to deal with him I don't think Odell Odell's a good wide receiver don't get me wrong he's a good he's got a lot of talent okay but I don't think he's worth all the hassle (laughs) he was on the Giants you know a couple of years ago and they got sick and tired of him there, and they got rid of him. The Browns were like, oh, let me pick him up. He's going to be great. They pick him up. Doesn't really do a whole lot for him. Is a distraction. And they got sick of him. They're like, all right, get out of here. Somebody called him locker room cancer. And they had that whole thing where it's every single week, it sounds like, they're like, Odell's open. Throw it to Odell. He's open. They're And then they're you know, giving Baker all this crap about not throwing it to him and and then his and then Odell's father made like a highlight reel of all the times that he missed him it's it's just kind of ridiculous just do what every other wide receiver does and just run your route and if you're open they'll probably see you and throw you the ball but you're not any better than these other all-star guys like you gotta it's kind of ridiculous and the thing is Baker Mayfield when Odell has not been playing he's actually better he won this week without him and when Odell is there, Baker Mayfield has 41 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. When he's playing with Odell, he has 42 touchdowns and 29 interceptions. So when Odell's there, he only has one more touchdown. But 
way more interceptions, 17 versus 29. This all, this week, so this is the first week that Odell wasn't there. Baker had his fifth game in his career where he had a he had over 130 passer rating. Four of those five was before Odell was on the team, and the fifth one, Odell was dressed but didn't catch a ball. Baker's just better without him, I guess. It's a dish of subtraction like the Steelers with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. It worked out for them. Should work out for the Browns. And the Browns went on a run last year when Odell hurt his knee against the Bengals around the same time. So still keep an eye on them. The Broncos shocked the Cowboys 30-16. to And to be honest, that store score is not really that accurate because it was 30-0. to And then 16 points were scored just in the garbage time at the end of the game when they were just playing. Was Cowboys were still playing and then the Broncos were playing soft. That was a very shocking game. Just like the Bills loss was shocking because the Broncos, they started out kind of strong, but then they fell off and they weren't a very serious team. And everyone's saying the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders. And now here they are losing to them. Another addition by subtraction, Von Miller's gone on the Broncos. Apparently he was doing all these Venmo requests to his teammates for a Halloween party that didn't happen. And that and a, he was unpopular in the locker room or something. Is that enough to beat the Cowboys? I don't think so, but it's something to look into. And then the Patriots won over the Panthers in dominating fashion, 24-6. Patriots are for real, it looks like, and are a threat in the AFC now. So they could go to the playoffs and actually make a pretty big run. And lastly, the Raiders lost to the G-Men. And so that's the Giants. They're a very unpredictable team. They play pretty good, but then they just don't really finish normally, but they finished this week against the Raiders and the Raiders. I just think they, it's just too much turmoil on that team for them to overcome at this point for the season. They've done a good job so far, but I just think it's gotten to the point. It's too much baggage. Uh, the Raiders, we all know what happened with John Gruden and his adversity. He was fired after all of that stuff. So that went on for like two or three weeks. They had to adjust to getting an interim head coach who's also had to deal with all of this mess out of nowhere. And then there's the whole terrible tragedy with Henry Ruggs killing that woman and her dog in the drunk driving car accident. So obviously he's in jail. He's not on the team. And then now they cut 2020 first round pick cornerback Damon Arnett after a video surfaced this weekend of him making death threats while brandishing firearms. So they cut him. And he's also facing lawsuits stemming from a car accident last October. And he also was has been on injured reserve since October 9th. So he's really helping the team out. He played 13 games in two years with seven starts. Great pick there. The Raiders 2020 draft, it says it will go down in history as the worst ever because round one, Henry Ruggs, prison. Round one, Arnett, cut. Round three, the guy was traded, never played a snap. So another round three pick cut, round four backup, round four benched. So not a great draft class. And last minute thoughts here. Russell Wilson is cleared to play. He'll be back this week. Aaron Rodgers is still questionable. And Kyler Murray is questionable, even though they won over the 49ers this past week, which shocked some people. Lastly, getting to the betting 
This week went pretty well. Uh, I was five for six. Now we got to get into a couple little technicalities here. So I know I said in the last show that the Packers, I was taking the Packers over the Chiefs, and I was also taking the Packers Chiefs over. That was before Aaron Rodgers and his COVID stuff happened. So I voided all of that. So for the others, uh, I actually went five for six. So the one that I got outright wrong was the Bears Steelers under 40 that did not happen they scored quite a bit more than that the one I did hit the Texans Dolphins were under 46 and I actually did not end up placing a bet on the Texans plus six and a half to the Dolphins because it had had moved to I think it was plus four and a half and I just did not have that much faith in Terod Taylor which was probably a good call because he had three interceptions and no touchdowns so they're not they're barely a football team the texans but i did parlay these four together i parlayed the chargers minus one and a half patriots minus four and uh the cardinals plus four and steelers money line so those four all hit so i hope that somebody else did that too this week i'm taking the Titans saints over 44 and a half the titans like i said like i said they shocked everybody there's they're a very serious team they're a good team and the saints I think that they can put up some points with whoever's playing quarterback. They still got Alvin Kamara there. Solid offense, so I think they can definitely... 44, I think that that's that's a feasible number for them. And I'm also going to take the Vikings Chargers over 52.5. That seems like it has the potential to be a high-scoring game because the Vikings have shown they can compete with anybody. They just can't win. So it doesn't matter how many points are scored. If the Chargers score 50 points alone, the Vikings are going to score like 49 and then miss the last... Uh, game-winning kick because they're a Minnesota team. I think that that's a solid over. And then I'm going to take the Rams minus three and a half over the 49ers. I think Rams definitely will bounce back. 49ers are inconsistent. Their defense isn't that good it, as people thought they would be. I'll take Bucks minus nine and a half over Washington football team. They're both coming off of a bye week, so they both have time to study. But who do you trust more with the studying? Do you want Tom Brady studying or do you want Taylor Heineke studying? I think I'll go with Tom on that one. And I think nine and a half should not be too much of a problem for the Bucks over the Washington, barely a football team. And then Chiefs money line over the Raiders. The Raiders usually uh, come out and they play really well against the Chiefs. But I just don't think, like I said, with all this adversity, I just don't think that they're going to have that team cohesion right now. And the Chiefs, I think that they can squeak by the Raiders here. And then lastly, I'm going to take the Broncos minus three over the Eagles. The Eagles have played two decent games these past weeks, but I still don't think they're good. And the Broncos, I think that they're a little inflated right now after that weird fluke thing with the Cowboys. But I I think that the Broncos can win minus three over the Eagles. That's all I've got for this week. Be sure to follow the show. Bellu Sports segment, and you can find me at Bellu's underscore sports, B-E-L-L-U-S underscore S-P-O-R-T-S. Catch you next week.